Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Just in all your ways. Invisible God, invisible God, clothing glory, splendor. You are righteous and holy. Just in all your ways Sing it again Invisible God Invisible God Clothing glory and splendor You are righteous and holy Just in all your ways, oh, we believe you as it. We believe you are the great rewarder. We look beyond all things which are seen. And we hope in you alone. We believe, we believe you as it. We believe you are great rewarder. We look beyond all things which are seen. And we hold in you alone. We believe, we believe you as it. We believe you are great rewarder. We look beyond all things which are seen. We hold in you alone, invisible God, invisible God, clothing glory and splendor. You 
are righteous and holy just in all your way oh invisible God that is who you are Lord clothing and splendor you are righteous and holy just in all your ways oh we believe you exist yes lord we believe you are the great rewarder. Oh, we look beyond all things which are seen, and we hope in you alone, and we hope in you alone, and we hope. shine on me now my soul knows very well we sing it again you make your face long you make your face to shine on me now my soul knows very well when mountains fall when mountains fall I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell and my soul knows very well mountains fall when mountains I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I dwell and my soul knows Make your face to shine.
shine on me and my soul knows very well joy joy and strength each day I find that my soul knows very well sing it again you make your face Lord you make your face yes to shine on me now my soul knows very well joy and strength yes joy and strength each day I find and my soul knows very well when mountains fall when mountains fall I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell and my soul knows very well we sing it again you make your face all of it you make your face to shine on me and my soul knows very well joy and strength joy and strength each day I find each day I find and my soul knows very well next one my heart and forgiveness and hope is mine and my soul knows very well you wake your face to shine on me and my soul knows very well mountains fall when mountains fall I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell now my soul knows very well when mountains fall when mountains fall I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell and my soul knows very well indeed our souls know joy and strength each day we find he makes his face to shine on us and we are forever grateful to you lord we are forever grateful thank you father thank you lord when mountains fall 
I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell and my soul knows everywhere sing it again when mountains fall when mountains fall I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I dwell and my soul knows very well when mountains fall when mountains fall by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I dwell and my soul knows very well one more time when mountains fall when mountains I'll stand by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell and my soul knows very sing it one more time with mountains when mountains fall, I'll stand by the power of your hand. And in your heart of hearts, I'll dwell and my soul knows my soul knows very well that my soul it knows very well I know my soul knows very well that my soul it knows very my soul knows the creator and my soul knows very well it knows the Lord God Almighty yes that my soul it knows very my soul knows my soul knows now my soul it knows very my soul knows it very well now my soul knows very my soul knows the Lord very well now my soul knows very well Father, we thank you, Lord, for the assurance of eternity with you, Lord. The assurance of eternity beside you. Indeed, you remind us that you go to prepare a place. And upon the rightful time, you will invite us to join you, Lord. It is our privilege. It is our heartfelt desire, Lord, that 
our soul continues to know you our soul continues to have a relationship with you and even so may it come forth in our daily lives and everything that we do lord may our lives be exemplary father May, may those who look up to us may those who look to us and even those who are not father we pray that even as they as they take a glance at us they take a glance at our lives lord may it may it bring them assurance that if only they will follow such a life if only they will they will, they will follow such examples father they will find you and their souls will also know very well lord we thank you for this evening we pray but may you continue the good work that you have begun in us now and forever in jesus name amen amen oh are you ready for the word amen more of that powerful teaching amen please put your hands together let's welcome reverend gilbert hallelujah let us pray heavenly father thank you so much for your power thank you for your presence Thank you for the fact that your word is active and alive and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is able to go to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Thank you that your spirit is married to your word. And out of that union comes an explosion in the camp of the enemy. Thank you that Jesus is anointed for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we come forward a bit? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank the Lord. How you can preach salvation. And in session 11, salvation and the anointing, we are, we are discussing Jesus is anointed for you, which has the subtitle, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. You know, in this series, one common theme is the influence of the Holy Spirit. Or, take a step back, the individual contribution by the Holy Trinity, all the three persons that are in the one God, their individual contribution to the salvation project, if you want to call it project. Hallelujah. So, so that's one theme that is running through that God is one. But that one God has revealed himself in three persons. And um, these three persons came together and plotted a plan, decided on a plan to redeem mankind. Amen. Amen. Now, so there's two things here. The fact that the three persons in God, the Holy Trinity are jointly engaged in this salvation project. And then the point number two is that this salvation project was not begun yesterday. Hallelujah. It is something that has been in the mind of God for eons of eons of ages. In fact, there is a mystery scripture that says that Jesus Christ is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. We won't read that one today, but just to put it in perspective, Jesus Christ was introduced by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And then when you look through from Exodus through, from Genesis through the book of Revelation, the Lamb represents the one that 
takes on the guilt or the sins of the people and is sacrificed for the sake of the people. Hallelujah. But for Jesus to be called the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We, we are preaching from page 406. Jesus is anointed for you. Hallelujah. If we know that in history, during the days of, uh, what's his name? Um, um, Caesar Augustus, Jesus was born. Is that not so? Which, you know, the timing of his birth is, because there was not a, anyone standing there to record, but based on the date in Luke, we, they say that he was born around 4 BC. It's interesting, Keisha. He was four, born four years before himself. Amen. But just based on, from now, if you want to go back, that is the approximate timing. 4 BC, 6 BC, around that time frame. So, that's 2,000 years ago. And from Adam, based on how long Adam lived to the time he was born, was approximately 4,000 years. But the scripture is saying that the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, it means that in a spiritual sense, God knew that Adam and Eve were going to fall, and God spiritually had Christ already sacrificed in eternity past. Does that make sense to you? So if the purpose of his crucifixion, his death, was to redeem you and me, then you can, we can make a deduction that if he is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, then the people who believed in him also God foreknew as eons of eons of years ago. Hallelujah. What that means is that you are not just today coming to know the Lord. I mean, you come to know the Lord at a point in time when you gave your life to Christ. But what I'm saying is that you are not an accident. That you are, you are part of God's, God's plans. God actually included you in his plans. That is why when Adam and Eve sinned and God came into the garden, the Bible says that, you know, when they were trying to cover themselves with leaves that they have made. So that is religion, okay? When mankind tries to find his own solution to cover up our sins, that is what they were doing. Like when they found themselves, they were naked and they were trying to cover themselves with leaves that they had plucked from the branches. When God came, he, he acknowledged that what has taken place, it is not going to take leaves to cleanse them or to cover them. So the scripture said that God took the skin of an animal. How did God get the skin of the animal? He had to kill it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the first one to kill a living something, as we know in the Bible, is God had to kill an animal. That animal that was killed was was symbolic or prophetic of the death of Christ, which was to come years later. So you can see that throughout history, there were various events that were more or less foretelling the death of Christ on the cross. And you and I coming to Christ, whenever we came to Christ, what I'm trying to say is that in the mind of God, you already existed. And therefore, your life is not like a chicken running around in Kolegono, like that woman was looking for her chicken in Kolegono. You are very important and special to God. Hallelujah. And to me, that is important because, you see, you come to times in your life that you begin to ask yourself, like in this Joel chapter 2 scripture, I believe Joel chapter 2, um, maybe let's try verse 17, Joel 2, 17. Why you begin to ask yourself, where is God? Hallelujah. But if you remember that you have actually been part of God's plans years ago, 
then whatever, whatever is the issue of your day, okay, whatever is the issue of your day, it, it's not something that will take God by surprise. Hallelujah. Because before the issue arises, God had already prepared a solution. Look at the scripture. He said, let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? So that's the question that we are trying to answer, that because Jesus is anointed for you and me, the people of the nations, the unbelievers, will not get a chance to say, where is their God? Say amen. amen. So the scripture that we've been, uh, foundation scripture, Luke 4, 18, okay? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hallelujah. And out of this, there are a number of things that are progressive revelation of the sequence of God's intervention in our, for our salvation. So I want us to read this together, and, and I'll continue at some point. So we are reading only the points, the, the points in, in, in bold. Number one is what? Jesus is anointed for you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit decided to save the world. Powerful. Number two, Jesus is anointed for you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agreed that Jesus should take the lead and be born through a virgin. Wonderful. Number three. Jesus is anointed for you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agreed that the Holy Spirit will join Jesus at the right time on earth. Hallelujah. Number four. Jesus is anointed for you. After Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. Amen. Amen. Number five. Jesus is anointed for you. Before the Holy Spirit came, Jesus was only known as a carpenter. Powerful. Number six, which I believe is where we read the last time. Jesus is anointed for you. At the river Jordan, the Holy Spirit came. Hallelujah. So, the plot, the plan was Jesus should take the lead and the Holy Spirit will join him. Amen. And so, we, we covered a lot from point five and point six last week. But I want to just do a little quick revision, you know, even from four, that the advent of the Holy Spirit changed the equation. Hallelujah. The advent of the Holy Spirit changed everything. And what you and I need to believe is that what God has done, it is not, what God has done is incremental. Do you get it? So, so, so for instance, before Jesus came, you had what? Isaiah, you had um, uh, Moses, John the Baptist, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joshua, and all those people. Now, the scripture said that Jesus did not come to rule out or cross out or to do away with the law and the prophets, but he came to do what? To fulfill them. So, in other words, when Jesus came, whereas he came with a greater revelation of heaven and of God, he did not come to do away with what they did, but rather, if you are a Jewish person living at the time of Jesus, what you have is that you have from Genesis through Malachi, and then God is adding Jesus to you. Hallelujah. So, so it means that those of us who come later, we, we, we actually have a better advantage. Amen. 
Are you getting the point? Because God is doing an incremental work. Like the people who only had the Old Testament. Well, they had the Old Paul had the Old Testament and he was able to do great things. Hallelujah. But then the people who lived in the days of Jesus, they came, they, 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 they had everything the Old Testament promises plus Jesus. Well, the people who lived before Jesus started, John the Baptist, so they received John the Baptist, uh, baptism by John. But then when they came to Jesus, they had to now be baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then after Jesus came on the scene and he died and resurrected and then ascended to heaven, not only did the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus, but what did the Holy Spirit do? After Jesus came and left, the Holy Spirit was now poured on mankind. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? We are talking about a progressive revelation of God. And so, and so you and I, where we, where we are, I mean, we are a whole lot better off than Abraham and Lot. Did you know that? Because Abraham and Lot, they did not have the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in them. Are you following? If every person who followed God in every era, they just had what God had revealed at that time. So you and I, we have, had, we have all the prophets, we had the law, we have Jesus, and now we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, that, so that the revelation of the Father had come, the revelation of the Son had come, and now you and I have the benefit of also experiencing the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And it says that when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. And then number five says that before the Holy Spirit came, Jesus was only known as a carpenter. Jesus is anointed for you, number six, at the river John, and the Holy Spirit came. So now look at this scenario. Jesus had been doing carpentry work, okay? And then there came a time that he told his mother, he said, Mama, I love you. And, you know, the scripture showed that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Some Christian groups don't believe those were his real brothers and sisters, but at least if you go to the, the scripture narrative, you know, he had brothers and sisters that we know of. So, and Jesus was the firstborn, of course. So, there came a time, Jesus told Mary, Mama, I need to go and see what this great prophet is doing in the wilderness of Judea. I hear there's this guy called John the Baptist, and I need to go and see what is happening. Hallelujah. Because all up until that time, when he was 30, he was just known to be a carpenter. Hallelujah. Doing carpentry work of all kinds. People building a house, and then you need a carpenter. People... Um, building a school, they need a carpenter. That is all that he was known for. But then there came a time, he sensed a witness within him that this is my time. But in order to fulfill all righteousness, and I have to go to the man of God who was ministering at that time. So he goes all the way from Nazareth to John the Baptist. And then he shows himself and says, John, I have come. And John the Baptist said, you are coming for me to baptize you? No, you should baptize me. Because remember, before Jesus started his ministry, John was preaching, and he was saying, Behold, the kingdom of God has arrived. Hallelujah. Then, the, and then the people were asking him, Are you the Messiah? Are you Jeremiah? Are you Ezekiel? Are you Isaiah? He said, I'm none of this. Then they said, Where are you preaching? He said, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Is that not so? Then he said that the person you are talking about, he said, I'm not even worthy to do what? Untie his shoelace. Amen. Then he also said, I am baptizing you with what? With water. But he that I'm speaking about, he will baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. So that if John was saying Jesus will come and baptize the Holy Ghost and fire, when Jesus showed up for him to baptize him and he said, no, you should baptize me, 
What type of baptism do you think John the Baptist was asking for or hoping for? He was hoping for what he has been telling the people that this guy is about to come and baptize people with the Holy Spirit. And now he has come for me to baptize him with water. This guy seems to be going back because we have moved from water to Holy Spirit baptism. And now you want me to baptize you. You are the one who has the next era, who has the next face. You are supposed to take us to the next. And Jesus said, you know what? Let us do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is what the Father wants. Let's, let's go through that. Because Jesus didn't go into the baptism of water for his own sake. He did that as an example for us. That anyone who comes in the new creation will follow in his footsteps. So he had to do it so that we will copy him. Hallelujah. And the scripture says that when Jesus went into the, into the um, water, what happened? What is the scripture for point number six? Mark chapter 1, 9 to 11. Let's read that one. Mark 1, 9 to 11. When the Holy Spirit showed up, everything changed. The possibilities changes when the Holy Spirit shows up. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straight away, coming out, up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. In fact, in the Greek, it says he saw the heavens ripped apart. It, it seemed like it seemed like it was a, a violent ripping. It's like it's like you know, someone who has been waiting for a long time to do something. If you are very very hungry for a long time, and all of a sudden they give you food, you have to be careful that you don't choke yourself, because because there's a certain <laughs> a certain strength that you will attack the food with. Hallelujah, amen. amen. So so devour. That's the word. <laughs> So, so it's like from, if you read Isaiah 66, the Bible says, it says, Isaiah prayed a prayer. He said, oh God, that you will rent the heavens and come down. Like you will rip the heavens and come down. So Isaiah's prayer in Isaiah 66, 700 years before God answered that prayer. Do you get it? And that happened when Christ came to the Jordan. So it says that the, 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 the heavens were open and, uh, and the spirit like a dove descended upon him. Hallelujah. This is the moment where everything changed. Not just for Jesus. This is where we need, we need not make that mistake, Brother Eugene. We need not make that mistake that everything that happened to Jesus is supposed to be a pattern, a prototype, a blueprint, a template that will happen to you too. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Because you see, what, that, what did the Son of God need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? He, he was already in glory in heaven. The Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus is not for himself, but it's for you and me. Jesus is anointed for you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so now, the Spirit comes upon him. Okay, next verse. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus entered the Jordan as a carpenter. Do you get it? Jesus entered the Jordan as a carpenter. A carpenter that was known in Nazareth. But when he came out of the waters of baptism, he came out as an, uh, the son of God. Because the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Like, he was the son of God in terms of his nature. But in terms of manifestation, that was the, the public declaration by the Father. That behold, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Hallelujah. Amen. And so now, the whole, um, what do you call it, um, potential for mankind changed. And all the, all the possibilities, because some of you who... who um, who are, uh, know a bit of statistics, okay? You have a statistician right here. Yeah. Look, probability. You have four 
blue balls. Okay? And um, six, what do you call it? Uh, red balls. And you put it in a basket. Like imagine the offering basket. Okay? So four blue balls and six what? Red balls. Total of what? Ten. If we put it in the basket, and then, and, then, and, then, and then they say, close your eyes. And then they take your hand into the basket. And they say, pull one out. What is the probability that you will get a blue ball? Four over ten. Because you have four total in there, and you have ten total balls. So probability is 40%. Are you there? What is the probability that you will get a red ball? 60%. Hallelujah. Now, what is the probability of getting a green ball? Zero percent. Because there is no, we, we know the population already. The population is red and blue. That's it. That is the only possibility that there is. That if, you, if I put my hand in there and I come out with a green ball, what are you going to say? What are the possibilities? Re- realistically. You, you, either in my, no, no, let's say you saw my hand. So I, I, I'm able to. Imagine the offering basket. And I put my hand, you saw me putting red balls and blue balls in. Okay, Arabna, imagine that. And then, and then it's ten balls, four are what? Blue, and six are red. And I put my hand in and I get a, a green ball out. What would you say? It, was it, it must have been already in the, in the basket. So the only way I can prove to you is that first I have to open the basket. You know how the magicians do? Open the thing to you, let you come and inspect it. Right, Kisha? Like, you have to inspect it. And if your eye is no good, you know, see an eye doctor, get your glasses on, put your hand in, let a third, second person come as a witness. Is that not so? And so after you inspect all of that, okay, and you put your hand in, the likelihood in the natural sense, the possibilities, the, 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 the list of possibilities, is that the chance that you get a red boy is 60%. And the chance that you get what? A blue boy. And you know what? After you put your hand and you get a red ball out, right, if you know your statistics well, the chance is no more 60%, because now the total population has reduced. Is that not so? Now, what we are saying is that after the Holy Spirit came, this natural way of thinking in the sense realm, whereby we can only accept that a blue, a green ball can come out of this basket, the only chance that there's a green ball can come out of this basket is that somebody has already put a green ball in. Now, if after you inspect it and there's no green ball in, there's no balls in, and then we put six, 10 balls, red, four, uh, four uh, blue, and, and six red, and we put our hand in, and we are saying that it is possible in the economy of God, when the Holy Spirit comes, the possibilities change immediately. Hallelujah. This is what I want you to understand. That when Holy Spirit appears, we are no more thinking of human limitations according to our senses. Because Holy Spirit baffles our mind. He baffles our calculus. Hallelujah. Like President Obama said, if a certain uh, president that uses chemical uh, weapons against his people, he said that would change my calculus. Hallelujah. Amen. Your calculus is the way, is the, is the, is the range within which you are looking at something. And so what we are saying is that when the Holy Spirit came, you see, naturally speaking, it's impossible to expect a green ball to come from the basket. But when the Holy Spirit came, everything is game. Everything is what? Everything can happen. Because 
the limitations of our natural order are what? Done away with when Holy Spirit shows up. Because Holy Spirit is the one that created something. When you create something, you can change the fabric of it. When you are the one who formed something, you can change its elements. That is why Jesus showed up at a wedding and they didn't have wine. And Jesus' Jesus' mother came and said, look, um, they don't have wine. And he said, uh, why? Is that, it's none of your business. He said, it's not my time yet. And then the mother turned around and wanted to tell the people who were serving the, the drinks. They said, you know what? He's my son. You see, that sometimes the scripture gives a summary of what happened. But this is the, my imagination. This is, how, uh, this is what I think. He said, it's my son. Okay. I had him. I conceived him when I had not slept with any man. And then the servants are going, this man is cuckoo. He's, this man is nuts. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not joking. This guy is a different type of person. And then he, she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I don't know whether Jesus overheard the conversation. All we know is that Jesus calls the people. He said, you know what? You see these six barrels of water over here? Go and draw it out. Then they go and draw it out. And then as they are drawing it out, they are thinking, this guy, did he actually hear what this woman said? It's not water that we are short of. What we are short of is what? Wine, not water. But then they they were hesitant, right? But then they remembered what Mary said. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because we are not talking about human possibilities. When we talk in the arena of faith and of the spirit realm, we are not talking about what is humanly possible. We are talking about what God is able to do. Because God who created all things, he is able to what? Change the order of things. Amen. Jesus said, okay, take it out and go and show it to the master of the, of the feast. And when they showed it to the master of the feast, and he took a sip, he said, man, this is awesome. Between the time Jesus gave the instruction and the time they walked and reached the master of the feast, Jesus Christ, the master of creation, the one who ordered all things, he had changed the molecular structure of the H2O into wine. Hallelujah. What we are talking about is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, you, the, 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 the sky is the limit. The possibilities are endless. And we people of faith must know that in this era that Christ has come, Christ did not come to do away with Moses. He didn't come to do away with Ezekiel. He came to fulfill them. But now after he left, he also gave us the Holy Spirit. And after the Holy Spirit has come, now we have the benefit of all that preceded before us. And we can now say, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we must expect that the same things he did back then, he will do it for for us. Jesus is anointed for you. Hallelujah. Now, look at this next one which is actually the foundation scripture. Luke 4, 18. Okay? Jesus is anointed for you. Jesus went to the synagogue and preached. His very first message was to inform the people that he was anointed for them. He informed them that the Holy Spirit has arrived and that things were going to happen. He told them that he was anointed to do many great things. Hallelujah. Now, as we said a few weeks ago, this passage that Jesus read, uh, Isaiah, um, Luke 4, 18, he, Jesus was quoting from Isaiah 61. Hallelujah. So I want us to open to Isaiah 61 and read it in the Old Testament. And you are going to see that there was a, a, a longer passage, but Jesus only quoted a part. But if you, to, to be able to grasp the whole spectrum of what was happening, when the Spirit of God appears, 
what the purpose and the final destiny is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. To do what? To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Hallelujah. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So you see, it's very interesting. Jesus quoted, Jesus quoted the verse from Isaiah 61 verse 1 to the middle of part two, uh, verse 2. He didn't, quote, he didn't quote the latter part of verse 2 in the Luke version. Do you get it? Because the part two, part 2 says, and what? The day of vengeance of our God. Hallelujah. So it, it appears that the, perhaps the day of vengeance is referring, referring to the judgment. When Jesus showed up in the, in the synagogue in Nazareth, he wasn't going to announce the coming judgment. He came initially to announce the good news. Is that not so? So he only quoted a portion of the verse. Now, and, but and, the, the, look at the scripture. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, uh, which also is translated as the year of God's jubilee. Hallelujah. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of God's jubilee. What is the year of jubilee? The year of jubilee in the Jewish tradition is the year that all the people who owe people money. Okay? It, it, it's like in the year of jubilee, everybody is supposed to forgive the monies that somebody owes you. Amen. That is not to say that the day before the year, go and borrow <laughs> out of money. But it was like, I think every seven years. Amen. And seven of seven of year, 49 years. So it was like God wanted a time that people who don't have much, they can have a chance to start again. Hallelujah. So the year of God's jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord, also represents the year of reset. Okay. A year of reset. And when Christ showed up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, I am the jubilee. Because, you see, when Christ came, one day they were accusing him that you people are not following the Sabbath. You people are trying to gather corn on the day of the Sabbath. Then Jesus said, don't you know that the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath? Hallelujah. So that, so that it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be Saturday. Every day is Sabbath when Jesus is around. Every day is a day of rest. Every day is a year of jubilee. Are you following? When Christ came, the promises of the Old Testament were personified in the person. So when you have Christ, you are entitled to every promise that is made in the, in the uh, Old Testament. Hallelujah. Okay, let's keep going. We are talking about what Christ is coming to do for us. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Okay? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Hallelujah. You see, in the Jewish tradition, when people are sad, to show their sadness, they will take ashes, they will put on their, on their head, and they will rip off their clothes. They will tear their clothes as a sign of sadness. So the scripture is saying that when the anointing comes, came upon Jesus, and he showed up, he's saying, this is my purpose in your life. My purpose in your life is what? That those that are mourning in Zion, remember Bishop taught us, you know, from the Hebrews 12 scripture, Zion is the people of God. Hallelujah. So the people who are mourning in Zion are the people among the people of God. There are some who are mourning about something sad. Hallelujah. It says that my purpose when the anointing comes is to do what? To give you beauty instead of ashes. And it is our time to believe it. Now, and then the oil of joy for what? Mourning. Instead of mourning, instead of uh, mourning, we have oil of joy. Then it said the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. So you see, Jesus is flipping things around. 
You have a garment of praise. I am flipping it into a garment of what? I, I mean, if you have a, a spirit of heaviness, you am flipping it and give you a garment. A garment is a, is a shirt. It's a cloth you are wearing. Hallelujah. That they might be called trees of righteousness. So you see, God is on our agenda. The people who are what? In mourning. The people who are what? Broken hearted. The people who are, who are captives of something. He is putting us on a course that because the spirit has come upon him, my salvation package for you includes what? I am going to replace your money with what? Beauty. I'm going to replace your money with oil of joy. I'm going to replace the spirit of heaviness with what? The garment of praise. And when all this is done, you become what? A tree of righteousness. And you become, what does a tree do? A tree bears fruit. Hallelujah. You'll be able to bring forth righteousness. Amen? Okay? And it's called the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So you see, this whole thing is not about us. Okay? If you go somewhere and there's a beautiful garden, somebody has, um, you know, been able to have a Do you realize it's not so easy to have a beautiful garden? Try, try it one day. Because as you are trying to plant, other things that you have not planted are coming up. To keep the garden nice, you have to be always at it. Hallelujah. And sometimes when you are trying to pull the wheat, you may destroy the, the good ones. So it takes a lot of tact. But when you see, when you see a very nice garden, do you go and congratulate the plants that you guys have done really good? Who do you congratulate? The one who owns the garden. And so God's agenda and purpose after the spirit has come to do his work through Christ in our lives. God's intent is that in the end, when we come out of our mourning, when we come out of our spirit of heaviness, when we come out of the, of what? The ashes and we become trees of righteousness, it is not us that need to be praised. It's not us for us to take the glory. He said that God might be what? Glorified. Hallelujah. Let's add verse 4. Okay, after you have reached this place, then you can build the old waste. You can raise up the former desolations. You can repair the waste cities. I will read one scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, and then we will close. Jesus is anointed for you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 2 Corinthians 4, says. Apostle Paul, when he was writing the letter, letter to the Corinthians, we didn't have the New Testament. So, the only Bible Apostle Paul knew was the Old Testament. And in this verse, he's talking about the new creation. He said, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. When did God command the light to shine out of darkness? In the beginning of the world, the Bible says, God created heaven and the earth, and then the, what? Darkness was upon what? The, the, the face of the deep. And then he said, everything was chaotic. But then God said what? Let there be light. Now, Paul is trying to link the old creation to the new creation. Okay? If somebody says, I have a new car, you see somebody happy and rejoicing that they have a new car. If you don't know what a car is, you can't relate and rejoice with them why they are making a big fuss about having a new car. So, hallelujah. To understand, I think we need another one. I have a sense it's going to go off again. To understand what...
Hallelujah. To understand what happened to us in the new creation, let's just cast our mind back to Genesis. Okay? It says that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He has shined in our hearts. Hallelujah. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What this verse means is that on the moment you became born again, when you took a decision that I want to follow Christ, I want to make Christ my Lord and Master, he said that something had happened. What had happened? God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness in Genesis, that same God, in making you be part of the new creation, hallelujah, that God at that moment now spoke a word it's like a declaration of light in our darkness. Hallelujah. And so now, all of a sudden, you come to your senses, you know that I am in need of God. And I am a sinner. And I need God. And I want to be saved. I want Christ to be my Savior. So I want you to see that in your moment of your salvation, there was an act of God that made you see the light. Hallelujah. But before, before, before the moment of let there be light in Genesis, what was happening? Let's go back to Genesis 1. And then we will close. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Hallelujah. So let's pause there for a moment. So you see, in the Second Corinthians 4, says scripture, where it says that the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. So if God shined in our hearts, before God shined, what was in our hearts? Darkness was in our heart. Before we came to know Christ, darkness was in our heart. Hallelujah. So just as in Genesis, God said, let there be light. That same thing is what Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians 4. Says, that he commanded light to shine out of darkness in our heart. So in that split moment, you recognize that, yes, I need God. And he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, and I'm believing in him. Hallelujah. Now here, but before, before God said, let there be light, there was darkness. But something else was happening. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. It's like there was a darkness in us. There was something in us that was not right. Things were not the way they were supposed to be. But in addition to the darkness, what, was, what else was happening? Look at the scripture. The spirit of God was moving, moving upon the face of the waters. Before the word was spoken, let there be light. The spirit was already at work. Hallelujah. So, so, so I want you to understand that you see, we may have darkness we may, have, we, we, we may have different struggles. But you see, the Spirit of God is always with you. Even before you come to the point of knowing that, look, there's light, you must know that God has not abandoned you. Hallelujah. You must know that the Spirit of God is... So the Spirit, the Scripture was say, is saying that the Spirit was moving upon the face of the water. Some translation said the Spirit was brooding over the face of the water. It is like, it is, it is like, it's like the chicken, the mother chicken brooding over the eggs. Hallelujah. It's like a season where the egg, when you look at the egg, the egg that you can boil and eat. Now, you are not going to boil and eat because you want chicken out of it. Hallelujah. The mother chicken is laying on the egg. It is that the Holy Spirit hovering over the darkness, awaiting the moment when the word will go, let there be light. Hallelujah. Until that time comes, if you go and remove the egg from under the chicken and you go and boil it, what is going to happen? It will not be an egg. And it will not be a, 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 a chick either. It will be something else. And in this season where it, there's darkness, where things are still forming, okay, it does not mean God is not at work. Amen. Amen. 
It does not mean God is not. Something is happening. The spirit is moving over the darkness. But then there comes a time that light shows up. And the scripture says in John chapter 1, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness overcometh it not. The darkness comprehended it not. When darkness meets light, darkness is confused. Because if you can't comprehend something, it means you are confused. Hallelujah. I pray that we must believe that Jesus is what? Anointed for us. And Jesus is what? He said, I am the light of the world. And when light shows up, darkness must flee. Light and darkness cannot coexist. And you can have one small, you, the whole place can be dark. But the place where light shows up, that place will be lighted. And today, I want you to receive Jesus as the, the light in your darkness. And even if you don't see the light, understand that the spirit is working. The spirit is brooding over you. You have not been abandoned. God is with you. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Rise up to your feet. Let's thank the Lord as we get our offering ready. Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace, for your power, for your presence. We believe, oh God, we choose to believe. We choose to believe that the, 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 the things that are beyond the natural reach, Lord. We choose to believe the promises of God. We choose to believe that the, 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 the possibilities change immediately when your spirit shows up. Therefore, Lord, we commit our offerings to you. In the world, when you give, you, you actually lose something. But in the spirit and in church, when we give, we gain more. Because you will take what have, we have sowed and multiply it to the glory of your name. Through Jesus, our Lord. Amen.